please turn with me in your Bible to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Did any of you play any good April Fool's jokes? No. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thanks for your word. Thanks for a chance to laugh together, enjoy uh, time together. We just pray that you'd speak to us through your word. Lord, as we have uh, sang in faith that you would revive us, God, would you please pour out your spirit and revive us this evening. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Do's and don'ts. Life presents a lot of do's and don'ts, doesn't it? Like, don't chew with your mouth full. Don't put your elbows on the table. Don't run a yellow light, all of those types of things. Do open the door, uh, men, for for women to be a a gentleman. Well, in our text tonight, it's Paul's do's and don'ts. If you read this chapter, if you've read ahead, you'll notice that there's several don'ts. Paul says don't, and then we'll find at the end there's something that we are to do. So tonight's message is do's and don'ts. We've been looking at how to live our life as a living sacrifice unto the Lord. Because of God's mercy, because of his grace, we present ourselves upon the altar of God. So chapter 12 was the function in the body. How do we function in serving inside of the body of Christ? Last week was how we function in society to honor the authorities that God has put in place. Understanding that all authority is from the Lord. In chapter 14 is function in controversy. Controversy. And especially controversy amongst ourselves. We're going to talk about tonight something that's known as liberties or gray areas. And first, I think gray areas are few and far between inside of the scripture. The scripture really does define how we are to to live our lives in great detail. We know what sexual sin is. We understand what holiness is. But there are things where God doesn't specifically lay out what you should do. And the reason is that is for that is so that we would seek him on the details. So inside of these liberties, these freedoms, Christians often get into a discourage or a debate with one another and a division with one another on what to do with these liberties. And the same thing was happening in the Church of Rome. There was a group that thought that you should only eat vegetables. And it wasn't just for health reasons, but it was based on faith. They thought that God was calling them to only eat vegetables. I think they were the first church of vegetarians was the title of their their church. And then you had another group that felt good with having meat. And they enjoyed their filet mignon unto the Lord. And these two groups started despising each other and judging each other over the issue of vegetables and the issue of meat. And it sounds ridiculous, But we as Christians have fought over ridiculous things, haven't we? So this is what we're going to cover tonight is this issue of of liberties. I think as we go through it, if we take it to heart and apply it, it'll glorify the Lord and it'll also really bless your relationships, bless your relationships inside the body of Christ. So verse one, receive one who is weak in faith, but do not dispute over doubtful things. So first, we're to receive somebody who is weak in faith. And in just a moment, it may surprise you 
who the person is who is weak in faith. But God wants us to receive each other. We're all at different levels of spiritual maturity this evening. There's some who are brand new in the Lord, some who have walked with the Lord for some time, some where growth has been stunted, some where growth has been accelerated, and if someone's weak, we should receive them. And you know when you've been received. I wholeheartedly believe that. There's something that God has given us inside of us that with human relationships, we can tell with one another, hey, you receive me or you reject me. Even young kids can walk into a room, start to feel out what's happening socially, and they understand whether they've been received or not. And God wants us to receive one another. And then he says to not dispute over doubtful things. So if you're taking notes tonight, this is the first don't. Don't dispute over doubtful things. Things. Now, what are some things that might be doubtful? Well, we'll find out in verse 2. It's this issue of if you can only eat vegetables or if you can eat meat. But what are maybe some doubtful things that have been a challenge throughout church history? One of these liberty areas, these gray areas. There was two great preachers in England. One was named Charles Spurgeon and the other was Packer. And they had a dis- disagreement over these liberties. Spurgeon enjoyed cigars, and he was not ashamed about it, and he was pretty public about his habits in smoking cigars. Well, Packer, this other pastor in town, he didn't agree with that, and he would publicly talk about how Spurgeon needed to change his habits. Well, Packer enjoyed going to the theater. He liked to go to plays, and Spurgeon thought that was out of bounds. That was, you should not be a Christian going to the theater. And so what would Spurgeon do? He would run Packer under the bus for going to the theater. Now, are either of those things addressed in scripture? Believe it or not, even though how we like to look at smoking, that's not an issue that's addressed in scripture. Also, going to the theater, is there any, thou shalt not go to the theater? Probably in some churches that you grew up in, it was not okay to go to the movies, right? Or to go to the theaters. But that's not in the Ten Commandments. It doesn't say, thou shalt not go to the theater. But yet these guys were arguing over these doubtful things. So what are some things that Christians today kind of argue over? Movies, for one. As you might have someone who feels at peace with watching a particular movie, and then someone else... It causes them great consternation and they don't feel peace at all with the Lord. Now, is there a line in movies? Absolutely. So we have to kind of go deep in this discussion or you could get the wrong idea. We want to do all things under the glory of God. So there's clearly some movies that don't glorify God. But then there's some movies that may bother my conscience that don't bother your conscience. And so there's some freedom there and there's some liberty there because God wants us to seek him in that way. Music. Music is so broad, isn't it? And I've heard Christians really fight over music and what you should listen to and what you shouldn't listen to. And there is a line, you know, there, there's some clearly some things that we don't want to put into our hearts and minds that aren't glorifying to the Lord. I know some believers that are convicted to not listen to classical music because there's no 
just blatant truth in cl- classical music. They don't come out and say, Jesus is God in, in classical music. And then I talk to other people, Christians that listen to classical music, and they enjoy God's creativity, and it draws them near to the Lord. Is there anything that's not glorifying God in classical music? No. Is there freedom to listen to it? Absolutely, yes. But two different people could have different convictions about it and really get in an argument over music. Let's go a little bit deeper. How about tattoos? Okay. That's real current and something that's happening today is you would have some Christians that make this case that you should never have a tattoo, no, ma- no matter what. No, no tattoos, no piercings. And they go back to the Old Testament where it talks about marking your body and piercing your body. And they go, okay, you, you can't have tattoos. But also in the next verse, it talks about not trimming your sideburns. So men, if you trim your sideburns, you're just as guilty as somebody who gets a tattoo. And we're not under the law anymore, right? The law points us to Jesus Christ. I think biblically there is a freedom to be able to get tattoos as long as what? That tattoo glorifies the Lord. But how often could maybe somebody walk by somebody who has a tattoo and then all of a sudden maybe they're starting to size them up. They're starting to think something about them and this is an issue of liberty, but one Christian feels at peace about getting a tattoo, and another Christian says, man, I don't feel the peace of the Lord to get a tattoo. So you're starting to see how some of these things play out in some, some of these circles. A couple more. Alcohol. I mean, that's, that's kind of the one in this text that everybody's asking, it's on their mind, is what does God's word have to say about alcohol? Well, it's really clear. It says two things. Don't be drunk with wine. So anytime you drink to the point of excess where alcohol is in control instead of the Holy Spirit, that's a sin. God always wants his spirit to be in control, not any substance. And then the second issue with alcohol is don't cause someone to stumble or to fall. Someone has a problem with drinking and drinking gets them to that place of excess. And you know that about them. You know this is struggle. And then you say, hey, why don't you come on over and have a few beers? knowing that they will then not be able to control themselves and go home and get drunk. Now, that's causing someone to stumble. That, that's flaunting your liberty in a way that causes someone to stumble. But then you have some believers that feel really convicted to not drink, right? They say, God hasn't given me that, that peace. And then you have some that do feel the freedom to drink. And, and now you've got the first church of drinkers and the first church of non-drinkers, Right? And they're looking across the aisle and they're going, I, I can't believe those sinners across the street, that they, they enjoy, enjoy a beer. And then, then they go across over to this group and they say, oh, and then the judgment just goes, goes back and forth. And then what does the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us don't dispute over doubtful things. So how do we handle this? If you're convicted to not drink, do that unto the Lord. And don't judge another believer who has that freedom and they're using it appropriately, they're using it biblically, and it goes vice versa in in both ways. And smoking's the same way. We we talked about it a little bit with with Spurgeon. Obviously, we know now there's some serious health concerns that that go along with it, but from a biblical issue and, and perspective, that's something you get to wrestle through with the Lord. You get to pray through with the Lord. Do you have peace in doing it? Can you do it under the glory of God? Do you not have peace? And then we don't have to judge each other when it comes to these non-biblical issues. St. Augustine put it this way, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity, which is love. Isn't that a great quote? 
So when it comes to the essentials, which is the scripture, the inherency of scripture, salvation, there's unity. We can never compromise those things. Then the non-essentials, these things that we've been talking about, as long as they're glorifying to God, there's liberty, there's freedom, but in all of these things, we need to have love for one another. I think this is a, a principle in our relationships with one another that we can dig deep into practically when it comes to very close and personal relationships. Husbands and wives, how many times do you find yourself fighting over non-essentials? Now I'm not talking about theology. Now I'm not talking about church splits. I'm talking about marital division. And where did this marital division come from? Because there is a proper way to put the toilet paper on the toilet paper roll. And it no longer becomes an issue of preference. It becomes an issue of principle. And there is a right way and there is a wrong way. And you are wrong with Jesus because you insist on putting it on there the wrong way, right? And for there to be unity in our marriage, then you will do it my way. <laughs> the toothpaste, arguing over, you know, if you're a roller from the bottom, if you press the toothpaste up from the bottom, someone who squeezes from the middle, that becomes an essential issue, doesn't it? And for a real fight that needs to, to take place. And how much more enjoyment and life and peace would there be in our marriages, in our close relationships, if we decided, you know what, I'm going to pick my battles. I don't need to dispute over doubtful things. This isn't an issue of heaven or hell. Nobody went to heaven and hell over the toilet paper. You know, that's a good thing for us to evaluate when we're picking fights and choosing to fight inside of relationships. Is anybody going to heaven or hell over this issue? No. Okay, I think I can calm down just a little bit. So it's an important thing for us. What was going on in the Church of Rome in verse 2? For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. And speaking of weak in faith, we don't know why there was a group that thought based on their faith that they could only have vegetables. It doesn't give us the reason. It may be because a lot of the meat was offered to idols and they didn't want to eat meat that was offered to my idols. So to be careful, they chose just to eat, eat vegetables. But for some reason, some believed that they could eat all things and some only thought that they could eat vegetables. As we'll go through this chapter, we'll actually find that the weaker person in their faith is the one who can't receive all things in faith and thanksgiving. And that's kind of surprising. But it's the one who's caught in legalism that is actually the weaker in, in this case. And a lot of times we think someone who is very legalistic, that they're more spiritually mature. And that's not the case. It's the person that's close with Christ, that's walking with Christ, Christ in faith, that would actually have more of the spiritual maturity. So the burden goes upon the person that can enjoy the liberties. So you can receive the meat with thanksgiving and thankfulness unto the Lord. Then God says, okay, you are the more mature person and you need to bear with this person who is weaker, who gets stumbled over, over meat. And he'll go more into that. The apostle Paul will go into that more. In verse three, let not him who eats despise him who doesn't eat and do not let him who doesn't eat judge him who eats for God has received him. Point number two, don't despise someone God has received. Don't despise someone that God has received. 
So here I am all upset about someone because they're enjoying in a liberty that God has given to them, a biblical liberty. I'm upset about something that God's not upset about. I'm making an issue about something that God's not making an issue about. God's saying, I've received them. I, I'm in fellowship with them. Why are you making an issue over this thing that I haven't made an issue? This attitude of despising another brother or sisters in Christ, it's pretty strong, isn't it? There's something that comes over us where we're looking down on someone on judgment. We're not wanting to be around them. The body of Christ is divided. We're judging their commitment to Christ. We're, we're judging their spirituality. We're attacking their character all over the fact that we have different convictions in this area of liberty. And God says, don't go there. Don't, don't allow yourself to slip into to that place. Verse four, who are you to judge another servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand. So whenever we spark to despise another believer, we're putting ourselves in that position of judge. That's not our place. We're trying to do God's job. And God asks us, who are you to judge another's servant? He stands or falls unto the Lord. He's accountable to God. God's his master. He's not accountable to me. He's not accountable to you. And then we find this affirmation of God that God is able to make him stand. Not only has God received this person, but God is committed to helping them make it. Remember our study this weekend, if you were here, that God's the author and the finisher of our faith? So he's always in that position of being for his children and saying, I'm going to complete that good work that I started in them. And as soon as we adopt this attitude of despising and judging, we're no longer going in the same direction as God. God's committed to helping them finish, and we're over here judging them and despising them. Let's let God do his job. We go on into verse 5. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. This refers to the Sabbath day. You would have Gentiles who were saved and Jews who were saved all coming together in one body in one church. And some would say, we believe that the Sabbath needs to be celebrated on Saturday. From sundown Friday to sundown on, on Saturday this is what we've been convicted to do. We're going to do it religiously. We're going to dedicate ourselves unto God in this. And then another would say, I'm going to esteem every day alike. I'm not going to limit worship to one day a week. I'm going to strive to be a worshiper every day of the week. Well, then you can start to have a division, right? Because people are seeing this in two different ways. What day should you worship? And what's the answer that God gives? let each be fully convinced in his own mind. So this, apply this to liberties that we face and decisions that we have today. If you're gonna watch that movie, be fully convinced in your own mind that you can do it under the glory of God. And if you can't answer that question, when in doubt, shut it off, right? How about the music you're listening to? Can you say, Christ is with me and he's honored in his choice of music that I'm making? By all means, you should do it, but be fully convinced in, in your own mind that you will find some in your journey with the Lord that are going to come to you and say, if you're really serious about Jesus, you're going to celebrate the Sabbath 
on Saturday. And you need to know this first. You need to know Romans 14 verse 5, that there's freedom to worship on Sunday, that there's freedom to esteem every day alike. But the important thing is you've got to know why. You've got to think it through. You've got to pray it through. And this is where I think a relationship with God gets really exciting. God intentionally gave us these liberties so that our relationship with Christ would not be cookie cutter. We're not going to all feel the same way in these areas of liberty because God wants intimacy with us. He wants to speak to us. He wants to lead us. He wants us to go through this process of thinking it through and making it our own. I think we're kind of scared of this as Christians a lot of times. We want it to be cookie cutter. We want to force everybody into side of of one mold. And I want to be very clear on this. I'm only talking about these areas of scripture where God gives us liberties in. You can't apply this to areas of sexuality and say, well, I'm going to have liberty in sexual sin. No, that's that's an abuse of of the text. I'm talking inside of where God gives us freedoms. But where he gives us freedoms, now, aren't you glad that we don't all listen to the same music? Do you know how boring that would be? Be like, I'm a Christian. We all do the same thing. Aren't you glad you get to have your own taste in clothes? Yeah, that's great. Aren't you glad that you get to pray about what you eat and what you don't eat? Aren't you thankful when you started coming to Rocky Mountain Calvary that we didn't go, well, here's the approved eating list, <laughs> right? If you really love God, then this is what you're, you're gonna eat. And by the way, we sell it all in the cafe <laughs> for twice the normal price, right? No, these are things that we get to seek the Lord on and be fully convinced in our own mind. In verse 6, he who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. The important factor is unto the Lord. Can I declare that I've done it unto the Lord? The person that eats the steak, can they thank God for that filet mignon? To the person that doesn't eat the steak and say, God, I'm so thankful that I could have some vegetables and not clog my arteries with all that stuff. It doesn't matter. Whatever your view is, there's all kinds of views. The most important thing is, can you do it under the Lord? That's what we forget so many times. I'm going to receive this meal unto the Lord and give thanks for it. When was the last time we stopped and really thanked the Lord for a meal? Not necessarily a long, wordy prayer. Maybe it was. But from the heart, God, I'm just so stoked about eating tonight. So thankful. This is really good food. God, you're very, very creative. Thank you for it. Mm, This is good stuff, right? Give thanks to God. And that's where the Lord wants us to be in these areas of liberties. God, thank you for this tattoo. It totally rocks. I get to glorify you with this tattoo. God, thank you that I don't have a tattoo. I could never think of anything that I'd want on my body the rest of my life, right? The issue is not the tattoo, is it? The issue is the attitude of the heart. Am I giving thanks or am I not giving thanks? Am I doing it unto the Lord? In verse 7, so none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. No man is an island from beginning to end. We're always connected to people. And this chapter is all about our relationship 
with people. We don't live to ourselves. We don't die to ourselves. No matter what culture says, we are linked with people. And more importantly, we should be linked to the Lord. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We're accountable to the Lord. We live and die to the Lord. Life is to be dedicated to the Lord. It looks like something like this. God, you've given me life today. I'm living unto you. God, today's my last day. I'm dying today. I'm dying unto you. I'm going home to be with the Lord. This has been my experience and my observation on this issue of liberties. When we get all hung up on one side or the other of these doubtful disputes, we've lost sight of the Lord and we've become extremely selfish on either side. When we say, you know what? Everybody should do it this way. It's more about me and my comforts and what I'm comfortable and opposing legalism on others. Or here's this freedom and I'm, I'm enjoying this freedom and we lose sight of Christ and the body of Christ and we're saying, you know what? More than anything else, it's, it's my freedom. I'm not gonna let anybody take this away from me. And we've lost sight of what it's all about. What this whole discussion about is, this is between you and the Lord. You're living under the Lord. You're, you're dying under the Lord. So we gotta be careful that we don't make it into a, a selfishness thing. In verse nine, for to this end Christ died and rose and lived again that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. We think about the gospel, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. It continues in our lives. It applies to our lives this evening because there was a purpose for why Christ died and rose again. To forgive us of our sins, to bring us in a relationship with him to where he could be the Lord of our lives, which means that he's the master. That he sits upon the throne of our heart where he gets to call the shots. When we think about Easter and we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what's the purpose of his resurrection? To be our Lord. When Saul became Paul, he asked this very important question. He says, Lord, what do you want me to do? And from what I can tell from Paul's life, he never stopped asking that question. And you're going to get this issue right with liberties and gray areas if you're always asking that question. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with the issue of alcohol? What do you want me to do with the issue of this movie? Lord, what do you want me to do with the issue of what day should be the day that I, I should worship? I want you to be the Lord of my life. See where that's different? It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's about what, what the Lord wants. So we go on in, into verse 10. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is literally the bema seat of of Christ. It's referred to in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's when believers go home to be with the Lord, we go to this judgment seat of Christ, where it's not a question if you're saved, if you're going to heaven, or if you're going to hell, but your life passes through a fire. My life passes through a fire, and the things that were for me, they burn up. The things that were for Christ are precious gems, and scripture does say that we will suffer loss. It's going to mean something to us, and what Paul's point is, is why are you judging your brother or sister in Christ? Because they're going to have to give account to God. 
And there's going to be this cleansing of, of their life, this judgment of their life, to see what passes through the fire for reward. In verse 11, For as it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. Quoting out of Isaiah chapter 45, So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Who do we give account for? Ourselves. When we get caught up in this issue, we're too worried about everybody else. What's everybody else doing with these liberties? And we fail to lose sight of, I'm simply responsible for my own life and I'm going to have to give an account to the Lord. That's a bit sobering, isn't it? And thankfully, we know salvation is complete in Christ. This isn't an issue of salvation. But to know that we're going to stand before the Lord and the Lord's going to say, okay, here's the life I gave you. What'd you do with it? How'd you live it? Okay, Lord, here it is. We need to know in heaven that God's going to wipe away all of our tears. Have you ever thought, well, why would there be tears in heaven? I think one of the things is possibly going through this judgment seat of Christ. I know there's things I'm going to weep over, a lot of wasted days. God's going to say, it's okay. And his grace is going to to cover that. But it is going to matter, and it's an important principle in Scripture. Okay, God, I'm going to have to give an account to you. In verse 13, Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or cause or a cause to fall in your brother's way. So instead of putting our effort into judging, it says don't judge each other anymore, but rather commit to this, that you're not causing someone to stumble or to fall. Put something in your brother's way to fall. From my perspective, I want to praise the Lord and compliment our church, Rocky Mountain Calvary, in this. We really do have a pretty diverse group of people that call this their church home, which I'm very thankful for. And I don't see you guys judging each other over these areas of liberties. I don't hear these kind of conversations happening. I've never seen someone look down upon someone else because they have a tattoo. You know, there's a guy that was getting baptized here at our last baptism, and he said, you know, I've, I've got a bunch, of, a bunch of tattoos. I'm kind of concerned about, you know, wearing a t-shirt in the baptismal. I was like, bro, you don't even have to worry about it. You know, no one's going to look at you, you any differently. We all dress how we all dress. I'm not seeing people walk around here going, wow, I can't believe you dress like that, or I can't believe that you dress like that. And that can go on both ends, can't it? You know, when people get starting tripped up on dress, it can be, I can't believe you dress that, that nice, or I can't believe that, you know, your jeans have holes in them. And there's just none of that. I mean, it doesn't matter. Some people come in with, you know, holes in their jeans. I do from time to time, you know, and some people come in with a, with a suit. Praise the Lord. It doesn't matter. You come, come as you are. Come as you feel comfortable. I just, I just got off of work and all the different factors that, that come in. And I'm very thankful for the environment that God has produced of love, of not judging each other in, in these things. You know, some of you may have a conviction to not play cards because it's associated with gambling. And then some of you love to play cards, but I don't hear you fighting over who's right. You understand that that's an area of, of conviction. There's a wide variety of, of music, and I've never heard anybody preaching, you know, I, I can't believe that you listen to classical music, you know, or 
I can't believe that you, you like this, this style of music. And we need to be appreciative of that. I don't know that that's everywhere. That's not the, the environment of, of everywhere. And then I also think that you do a good job of being careful to not cause someone to stumble. I think we should take this seriously. You know, we don't want to take a freedom that we have and harm someone's relationship with the Lord. You know, put something right in front of them that's going to cause them to stumble and cause them to, to trip up. In verse 14, it says, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to unclean, to him it's unclean. So Paul's saying, you know, I don't consider there anything to be wrong with having a steak, having a filet mignon. You can receive that, you know, under the Lord. I don't have any problem with a bacon cheeseburger. You know, receive it, receive it under the Lord. Paul's saying, I don't have any problem with my Brussels sprouts. I eat my Brussels sprouts. You know, I receive them under the Lord. But if somebody considers it to be unclean, then Paul wants to take that into consideration for the sake of his brother. Verse 15, yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. This is the third thing to consider. Don't destroy God's redeemed treasure. Christ died for this person, and now I'm destroying them over my meal. I can't give up a steak, and Jesus gave up his life for them. So if we were in the church of Rome, and this isn't hypothetical, and obviously I'm, I'm in the steak category. I like meat, all right? So let's take us all the way back to first century. I'm in the church of Rome, and there's this group of faith vegetable eaters, okay? Now, they really get tripped up over Christians who eat meat. It would not be loving for me to say, hey guys, come over for some hamburgers. They're gonna be awesome. Come on over, let's fellowship together. Because now I'm causing them to stumble. I'm putting something in front of them that's gonna cause them to wrestle. So if I love them, and I want to have fellowship with them, I say, hey guys, let's come over and let's have some salad. I'm going to make the best non-meat salad that you've ever heard of. And probably even more loving not to just mention it at all, just have them over and have a salad and focus on Christ and focus on, on that relationship. So how could this, again, play out in something, you know, someone gets saved and God's doing an awesome work in their life and bringing them out of an abuse of of alcohol. It's a real struggle for them to not slip back into getting drunk and the whole party scene. And you're starting to fellowship with them. Your number one objective is not to try to teach them about liberties and their freedom to, to drink alcohol. It's to be considerate of their state that they're in and focus on Christ and how you can help build them up up in Christ and taking the time to stop and and think that. Or you've got somebody who's walked with the Lord for 40 years and their perspective is, I I, I do not drink alcohol. And they maybe even struggle. And and if someone does drink alcohol, in the same way, you wouldn't go to them and say, hey, why don't you come over and enjoy a liberty that, that, that you enjoy? And so the question that we have to ask with our liberties, and I know that this is difficult, 
is not just how does this affect my relationship with the Lord, but how does this reflect or affect the brothers and sisters in Christ around me who are watching me enjoy, enjoy this liberty? And going that extra step to not intentionally cause someone to stumble and put that in front of them and seeing them through the lens of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, having said that, I think some Christians take this to an abuse and they throw out the stumbling block card when it wasn't a stumbling block. You know, there, this is within logical reason. You know, there's, there's some things that, it's like I sneezed and you made me stumble. I just had to sneeze. I, I'm sorry that I couldn't run and get a tissue before I, I sneezed. I'm, but okay, there, there it is. And, and sometimes people just throw out this verse way too liberally and it's not even something that is logically something that could cause someone to stumble. I mean, I won't go any further into that, but does that make sense? You know, so, so you know, someone can't use this to, to a degree that, that isn't logical or it isn't loving, but at the same time, that doesn't release us from the responsibility of am I causing someone to stumble. They're God's redeemed treasure. Verse 16, therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil. So you're doing something good, but it causes someone to stumble, so it could be spoken of as, as evil. In verse 17, I love verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the spirit. Religion always focuses on the external, what you should wear, what you should eat, what you should drink. And a relationship with Jesus Christ always focuses on the heart. And when God reaches the heart with his grace and the Holy Spirit empowers us, there's righteousness, there's peace, and there's joy in the Holy Spirit that's lived from the inside out. The Pharisees went around focused on the externals. They never dealt with their own heart, and it got them into a terrible place of crucifying Christ. So the kingdom of God, it's not eating, it's not drinking, it's not what you put into your body and eating and drinking, but it's Christ inside of us resulting in righteousness and peace and joy in the spirit. Verse 18, for he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. So the believer that's concerned about not stumbling others, the believer that's walking in the power of the spirit and righteousness and peace and joy, it's acceptable to God. And also, it's approved by men. You're blessed with God and men. So we've seen the don'ts. We've seen three don'ts tonight. And we've got one do in verse 19. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify one another. So this is what we are to do. We're to pursue peace and edification. Do pursue peace and edification. Begin to think through some of these areas of liberty. Okay, how is this going to promote peace inside of a relationship, inside of a friendship? How is this going to pursue edification inside of the relationship? Notice that pursue is a verb, it's an action word, it's something that we're to go after. As a hunter goes after its prey, as you would seek after a job, seek after a promotion, pursue. God wants us to make this a goal. I've, in relationships, I'm going to pursue peace and I'm going to pursue edification. I think, again, applying to our homes, our personal relationships, friendships at work, if we adopt a mindset 
of not disputing over doubtful things, but a mindset of how do I pursue peace in this? How do I pursue edification? Are my actions and my attitudes building this person up? All of a sudden, life is going to become much more worthwhile, much more fun, because a lot of times we're avoiding conflicts that we would tend to walk into wholeheartedly. So now we're starting to say, you know, no, I don't need to take that one. That's not necessary. That's a doubtful thing. That's just going to lead to to destruction. I'm going to pursue peace. I'm going to pursue edification. Verse 20, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It's priorities. It's seeing the person that Christ died for more valuable than my liberty. In verse 21, it's good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or made weak. So Paul says it's better to give up the liberty than to stumble somebody who may be weak in a particular area. Verse 22, do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. So you have faith in a particular liberty, and that liberty may cause someone to stumble. What does the scripture say? Do it yourself before God. So go into this illustration with, with alcohol. You know a friend that struggles in this particular way? Then guess what? You're choosing to not drink with them, not drink around them, not bring it up of how much you like it and enjoy it. You do it privately, not before them for the sake of not causing them to, to stumble. And it can apply to any of these different, different liberties. So someone's really stumbled by classical music, all right? I know they're stumbled by classical music. I can't believe my pastor listens to classical music for sake of example. Then I would not get them in my car and turn on classical music. I would wait till they're not in my car and turn on classical music. You get the idea? So if you have faith in a particular area and you know it, it causes someone to stumble, do it privately, but before the Lord... And happy is the man who doesn't condemn himself and what he approves. If it's not sinful, if it's not biblically wrong, and you can have faith while, while you're doing it, then enjoy the Lord in, in the midst of it. If you have to take God out of it to enjoy it, then it probably is sinful. But if you, with a clear conscience, can sit in the midst of that action and be in fellowship with God, then do it in faith and enjoy that fellowship with the Lord. Verse 23, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he doesn't eat from faith for whatever is not from faith is sin. So you're trying to decide. Remember, there's two applications here. What liberties should I be enjoying? And are my liberties causing someone to stumble? Maybe you're really wrestling through, should I be listening to this music? If you are doubting, if there isn't peace with the Holy Spirit, then God's wanting to work about a change in your life, in the soundtrack of your life. And the music that you're listening to that represents the experiences that you're having, God's saying it's time to upgrade the soundtrack of, of your life. And don't compare that with what some other believer may decide to do in their area of convictions. You're being convicted by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows you he knows what music does to you. And so he's saying, okay, this is what I want you to listen to. But you may look at your iPod tonight. You might go, you know what? I got peace in all my playlists. My playlist is 
glorifying to God. I'm going to rock it with Jesus. I don't feel that there's any doubt in, in these songs. It's been inter- interesting. There's been some albums for, for years that I've enjoyed and had peace with the Lord with. And then for whatever reason, I'll be in a season and I'll put that album on and I won't have any peace in it. And it's not doing anything for my relationship with the Lord. And it's time to take it off the iPod. And usually I'm going, no, I love that album. And the Lord's saying, we're the season that you're in right now. There's not peace. But God, it's been fine for 10 years. Well, it's not fine today. You need to take it off, off of your iPod. And we wrestle in th- those moments. But that's what this verse is talking about. So here's where I think that this gets a little more challenging if we're honest, is all of a sudden, okay, here's my choices with TV and movies. Can I do it unto the Lord? Can I say that this is unto the Lord? Can I fellowship with the Lord in the midst of this choice that I've made with with TV or movies? This book that I'm reading, this news article that I'm reading. Okay, this is an area of liberty. It's an area that God gives us freedom to be able to choose. And now we begin to examine. So how do we apply this? There's some important questions to ask. Is how am I doing in these areas? Am I fighting over doubtful things? Is there some fight that you're in tonight that's just over something doubtful? It's not dogmatic. You can't turn to chapter and verse. It's disputable. It's doubtful. Could it be time to let it go? Could it be your last argument over the toilet paper? Am I despising someone God has received? That's a difficult question. Is there someone that's kind of at the bottom of your list and the reason they're there is because of one of these liberties? God's received them, but we're despising them. Am I destroying someone that God's died for? Jesus has died for them, but I'm destroying them. Am I pursuing peace and edification? Psalms 133.1 says how good and how pleasant it is for brethren and sistren to dwell together in unity. Let's stand and let's pray. Father, would you give us wisdom, discernment of how to be able to walk in liberty and walk in freedom and to be able to walk in love. We're we're thankful for the unity that we enjoy inside of this body. Father, would you protect it? Lord, for the essentials, may we stand strong. May we never compromise in the essentials of Scripture. Lord, but in the non-essentials, may we give you freedom to work out these areas in our lives. Would you bless our relationships through the power of your Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name, amen.